I'm Bethany Frankel, creator of the Skinny Girl brand, media personality, and entrepreneur. I don't think about gender at all. It doesn't even occur to me. I don't talk about all the things that women don't get. I'm not taking less money than I deserve for something. I don't care what a man's getting paid. I don't care what I, I don't care about what anyone else is doing. If you're worried about it, just be better than the men. The cream rises to the top. This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal, helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger. Bethany Frankel is a reality television star best known for her role on Bravo's The Real Housewives of New York City. She's also an entrepreneur and sold the Skinny Girl Margarita brand for a reported $125 million. She continues to license the Skinny Girl brand, which can be found on a variety of snacks and treats. With a contentious divorce behind her and a growing empire, she's ready for the next chapter. So, Bethany, early in your career, you worked as a nanny for the rich and famous. What did you learn from that experience? I wasn't a full-service nanny. I, I drove Paris and Nikki Hilton to and from school and ice skating, after-school activities, the mall. And I worked for their mom, Kathy Hilton, in her store, wrapping presents and selling ornaments and fancy tchotchkes in West Hollywood. It was a gig. It wasn't like I was amazing with kids or had ever had any experience before that, but it was just uh, an interesting gig. I met them through... Kyle at a restaurant called La Scala, where I was also a hostess at the same time. It was a job. They weren't Paris and Nikki Hilton yet. So they were my friend Kyle's young, beautiful nieces. They eventually evolved into being Paris and Nikki, which was not surprising because they were alluring and stunning, but still, wow, those are the little girls I used to drive to school. Did you see their lifestyle and say, oh, this is what I want? No. I'm not a person that really thinks about lifestyle. I do. There's a man named Breck Costin that I took this course with who once said, you can make a lifestyle out of a life, but you can't make a life out of a lifestyle. I just, I'm, I'm a person who's focusing more on being personally happy than what other people think is my happiness. Makes sense. So you tried to break through for a while. So I'm just wondering, how did you keep going despite some setbacks? Life is about setbacks. I mean, everyone has setbacks. If you get set back by setbacks, then you're not going to succeed. It's just part of the path. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. There are always going to be setbacks. You just sort of take a deep breath, brush yourself off, pick yourself up, and keep it going. So I was going to say, what advice do you have for women who are looking for their big break, but they haven't yet yet got it, and they might feel a little uh, frustrated by that? You're not going to get your break. You're going to make your break happen. Things don't happen. Success doesn't happen to people. People, you know, happen to success. Like, you just have to make it happen. And you can't just keep hitting the same note over and over. You have to try different ways and find your way in. I mean, there are you, – you do have to eventually give up if, if you really in your gut know that it's not going to work versus ego. I mean, I've had times in my life where – ego's been involved and I didn't want to give up. But you do need to know when to hold them and when to fold them, when it's time to pack it up. And then try something new. I mean, I've had so many different businesses and they were definitely not successful and I've had so many failures. So you learn more from your failures than you do your successes. Not everybody's going to end up being a billionaire. You look at the numbers, it's not going to happen. But, you know, life takes you on a unique journey and you end up finding yourself in places you never imagined you'd be. You went on Housewives exclusively for business reasons, I heard. Where did you get the foresight to do that? Yes, I went on Housewives for business reasons, but I didn't think of myself as the business person that I would become. I went on Housewives because I wanted, I was a natural food chef and I wanted to eventually have a cooking show. I, I chose to do Housewives instead of a possible show on the Food Network because, oh no, that's not even true. That's right, the Food Network, the Food Network, the president of the Food Network at 
at the time told me not to bother talking to all the production companies, that I was never going to make it. It was never going to happen. But I wanted to have a show on the Food Network. That was sort of the ultimate goal, just to be a successful natural food chef. So I thought by being on The Housewives, if it was a disaster and didn't work, no one would know. And if it was a success that I had a shot at showing people that I was a natural food chef. But I definitely overshot the mark. I didn't think. I couldn't have even imagined that I would have the life that I have now or the success that I've had. What did you say to that person when they said, oh, you're never going to make it? I didn't really say much. Like, I just, you know, when it's the, the head of a network telling you, it's not happening. I'm not a burn. I'm not a bridge burner. I'm not really bitter. But you know, a lot of people didn't believe in me, and they were probably right at the time. Like, I, I, part of it's luck. You know, it doesn't. I wasn't definitely going to succeed. Now, in retrospect, I mean, some of those people wish they had thought differently. But it could have been luck, or just it just worked out for me. You can go. There's no way to pick every single horse that's going to win. Did you ever doubt yourself? I've definitely doubted myself a lot. Like, I never. I always had a positive attitude, and I thought I had something unique. But now it's easy to say that you knew you had something and you knew you'd be successful. You can't now. If you're broke and alone and have no one to really turn to and no no safety net, which I never had, and, uh, you know, there's only one way to go. And I thought something would happen. I never imagined that it would be this this incredible. And it's really once the match lights that you then have a chance to really do interesting things because people believe in you and then you get greater opportunities. The falls you take are greater once you've had a success because people are either waiting for you to fall or expecting so much of you. But I definitely had doubts. And I was in my mid to late thir- – I was in my late 30s when I became successful. So that's a little scary. I'm not married. I don't have a child. I don't have any money. I, you know, really don't know what I'm going to be doing. Am I going to be a bartender? Am I, you know, what am I doing? So and I I remember I was going to be um, whatever the lowest thing is in the kitchen for uh, Bobby Flay at one of his restaurants because I knew him from back in the day. But I was trying to be a natural food chef with a television career at the same time. But I didn't want to work in his kitchen and be like, oh, I'm also a TV chef, but I'm working, you know, as the lowest on, you know, on the line in Bobby's uh, restaurant. So in your late 30s, it's an interesting time to be sort of starting out. What advice of women who are in that same situation? Get on the road, you know, get on the road and and buckle up and bring a roadmap. You're not going to follow most of it, but at least it's nice to know that you have the safety of having a map in the car. The trip will not go the way that you envisioned it to be. And no, be honest with yourself. Not every, I had a discussion with somebody on Shark Tank about this exact thing. Not everyone's an entrepreneur. People could be amazing workers and can be very very successful and make six and seven figure salaries, but still not want to be a lone wolf and like a Mustang, you know, ride or die. You may want to have the comfort of the 401k and an office structure and a nine to six and two weeks paid vacation and things like that. The other way too, not everybody, I can't work in an office environment with that sort of hierarchy. It just doesn't work for me. But you have to be honest with yourself about who you really are and what the possibilities really are and not just see something that sounds good and think you can be that, you know? How intentional were you about building your personal brand? Not at all. I mean, I don't know if I – I don't even ever think about that. I, the word brand is so overused and people saying it's my personal brand. It's just – I think kind of that kind of talks a little like like jargon, sort of pretentious a little. You know what I mean? It's like let's circle back and run it up the flagpole and say all these big words and maybe it will add up to something. I don't really think like that. I mean, I'm, I, I bet I have – I know I have a personal brand and I know that there are things that I want to do and don't want to do and things that I say that I regret. But I don't really think like that. You have a marketing strategy for yourself? For myself, I think I do, but it's not something. 
something I write down or plan out. It's something that you just innately know. It's like you know that you want to get up and wash your face and get your kids to school on time, and it's sort of like a loose plan. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I was going to say when I'm on Shark Tank, people probably think I'm going to throw a glass of Chardonnay on them and curse them out. And I don't do that because it's not that environment. But I don't think about it. It's just what happens. I'm in a different environment. We're talking about business and entrepreneurs. We're not, you know, wasted with hilarious wigs on, you know, talking about nonsense. You said liquor is traditionally a man's business. How did you get the guys to listen to you? It's the same thing with the Puerto Rico relief is the same as the liquor business is not no, – nobody wants to help you or partner with you. You just need kind of one person to get it started. So, no, the men didn't listen to me until the dollar sign started rolling and until it was the fastest growing liquor brand in, in history at the time. One man who had been in the liquor business, his name is David Cambar, he had a fa- he had had family in the liquor business. And I just – someone said to him the name of the idea and the concept. He sort of got it. And that's another thing. People have to get it. You can't be like shoving things down people's throats where they have to ask you seven times what the idea is, what does it mean again. For me, I think things should be pretty clear cut and understandable. And he sort of just got it. So it was one man. But then once we were successful, the whole entire liquor business, every company shifted to market towards women because wine was always marketed to women, but really liquor wasn't. So after Skinny Girl, everybody sort of shifted. How have you dealt with women who may be jealous of you? It, it does happen a, a, a fair share. Of, I'm not really one of those people that thinks that people are, are jealous. Some people have just accepted that I'm, I work hard and I'm successful. Other people just can't help themselves in wanting to bash anything I say, and they just sort of implode. You just watch it happen. There's not really much to say or to do. You can just feel it. Do you ever take it personally? No. I mean, I guess it's it's isn't. I guess imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. It actually really is. I mean, also saying you look good to someone telling you you're pretty is is a very sincere form of flattery. But imitation is up there. You readily share your opinion. Is there any downside to being so forthcoming for women? I don't think so for me. I think I don't look at what other people are doing. I'm not. If you're worried about what someone else is doing, then you're not worried about what you're doing, which means you're you know, you're Michael Phelps and you're looking at the swimmer to your left versus looking at the wall in front of you. You don't have to say everything on your mind. And I do think before I speak, I mean, usually I'm honest. So people usually believe me whether they like me or not. And, and I'm not, it's not a popularity contest. I don't, I don't need everyone to love me by any stretch. Do you feel like women pay a higher penalty, though, for being more opinionated? I have a lot of traits that are very male, especially when I'm dealing with business. And I have the respect of men. I don't see, I don't think about gender at all. It doesn't even occur to me. I don't talk about all the things that women don't get. You know, if I'm, I'm not taking less money than I deserve for something. I don't care what a man's getting paid. I don't care. What I, I don't care about what anyone else is doing. I think so many people are talk that way. And I just feel like if you're worried about it, just be better than the men. Good idea. You know, cream rises to the top. You went through a long, grueling, very public divorce Where did you get the strength to keep going throughout that process? My divorce was by far the most horrendous experience of my life, and I did not exactly have a perfect childhood by any means. I think I once heard a story. I was at the ashram at this place where you hike like 60 miles a day, and I think Oprah was there, and she broke her ankle in the middle of the hike, and she kept going. And I think... It's like when you're doing a – I don't like hiking. I don't think I would like a marathon. It's not for me. But if I were to do it, it would be like I'm just worrying about this one step, this one mile. So that was – I kept making it like golf even though I don't go golf a lot. I, I kept making it like, OK, well, I'm at the probably at the fourth hole. Now we're at the sixth hole. Like you're just focusing on where you are and you can't see that it's going to ever be better. You just can't see it and it just – gets better because you figure out ways to make it better. 
I mean, I didn't just sit back and get rolled over. I had to deal with a lot, and I still do. But I just every day make it better. What advice do you have for women who are going through a difficult divorce and are trying to do the the calculus? Should I spend the money and keep fighting and deal with all the stress? You know, you have to find your way into it. You know, you have to find friends to help you, lawyers that are less expensive, not focus on the minutia. You can't get steamrolled. There's always a way to figure it out. The woman who took down Roger Ailes, you know, people who speak up about things that are happening to them. You find your way in. You don't just back down. It's easier said than done because a lot of people don't have the financial means, but no one I know who's back down doesn't regret it. They all regret it. And more importantly, you got to be a financially independent woman. I hear women saying, well, you know, I used to work. I had a big job. I've chosen to stay home and they feel like they have to explain themselves. And there's nothing wrong with being a stay at home mom, by the way. It's a much harder job than business. I mean, being a mom is a very difficult job. It's the most difficult job. For some people, it comes natural. For some people, it doesn't. People second guess themselves. Some people feel guilty, tired. I mean, it's, everybody has a different brand of that. But you gotta find a way to be financially independent. You gotta work. You better work. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant. AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. The future of everything from the Wall Street Journal. All new episodes this fall on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and NPR One. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal. You've said resentment can arise when a woman is more successful than her man. What advice do you have for women whose guy might be threatened by their success? It's a very it's a very ill-tasting recipe. Every person that I know that has been in that situation, whether it's a power position or a financial power position, if the man is not strong enough and feels emasculated, he will find other ways to exert control in the relationship. And I haven't seen an exception doesn't mean that I haven't seen relationships that work where the man doesn't make as much money as the woman. That that does happen. But you have to decide, you have to know the type of man. You're talking to a person who's been very unsuccessful in relationships. But I like businesses. I've learned more from my mistakes than, than my successes. So I think I do know a thing or two about it. How do you make personal financial decisions? I'm risky and conservative at the exact same time. So, for example, now I've been investing a lot in real estate and renovation. So I haven't bought anything personal, no jewelry or really shopping or, you know, I'm, I'm frugal. For my financial situation, I'm frugal. I think pr- purchases through. I think expenditures. I'm not just running amok. You know, I've got a I'll spend on things that are matter. I'll spend on staff. I'll spend on conveniences so I don't have to be tired and I can feel good about myself. I'll get the bigger, nicer hotel room when I'm with my daughter, where she'll have the best time. And room service. I used to never order room service or the mini bar and, like, 
that stuff. But I'm for how successful I am. I'm. I'm. I actually had a business manager come to my house today, and I always ask him like, "How am I? Am I? Is it okay?" I mean, I used to ask if I could buy a purse, and they used to laugh at me. And he said, "I know people who make. I've. I've clients who make half what you make and spend the same as you make." Handling the sudden wealth because you did come into a lot of money somewhat quickly. How has that changed you? Listen, I still. I really don't buy things retail unless it's something that I just love so much, and I know I won't be able to get. I don't think anything's worth getting ripped off. It doesn't. Nothing. It doesn't matter to me that much because I get dressed so much for TV and appearances. The material things don't matter as much. Home, things for the home to make your home experience feel feel and smell and look better. I, I love that. But still, I'm totally frugal. It's very, if you're creative, it's easy to make things look and feel good without spending a ton of money. You're doing a lot of great work in Puerto Rico. What inspired you to do that? And what have you learned from that experience so far? Um, I'm in the middle of a large, unexpected relief effort in Puerto Rico. It started in Houston, went to Mexico, and then now in Puerto Rico. And it's we've raised a tremendous amount of money and relief and planes. It's sort of just started with one plane and just feeling a little helpless and wanting to do something and people telling me, no, you can't go there. There's no water. There's no electricity. You can't go. And then me just going and having anxiety and wondering, what, what am I doing? Like It's happened a couple of times. Every time I went somewhere, every time I started the Houston and then went to this remote tiny town in Mexico that was hit so hard, you get anxiety because you don't even know what you're doing. You're kind of just like, I'm going somewhere and it's scary and I have a daughter and I'm getting on a helicopter and I have a satellite phone and you just sort of, it's like Nike says, you just do it. You just sort of do it and you figure it out. And then the next plane started falling in line. And then I was making a difference and helping children on ventilators and people who had dying family members that I needed to get back home and animals that were desperate and needed rescue. You just sort of, it's like, it's like what we talked about earlier about one foot in front of the other. It just sort of evolved. And once you realize you can make a difference, you can't leave these people in a lurch. And partners of mine that we've been amassing all of the relief in the United States from convention centers and churches. And so now we have that relief. So I, you know, I can't get out. I have to move it. So it's, it's, it's a very interesting uh, process. I don't, I don't consider myself a humanitarian or a philanthropist. But I'm just a person who gets things done. What organizations should we check out if we want to help too? So if you want to donate, BeStrongDeliveringGood.org is my organization. All of the planes, all of the relief, all of that I have uh, hustled for. The money that goes to BeStrongDeliveringGood.org backslash BeStrong is for cash cards because when you get out of phase zero and people are in phase one or two, they want money to be able to to get exactly what they need. Now we're in the just provide water so people don't die and insulin and things like that phase. But I've been very careful and very, very budgeted about this. I think good business people are the people that should be running charitable organizations. And by the way, wealthy people because they're not they're not getting paid salaries and I'm not I pay for my meals, my if I want to fly first class or coach or figure out how I'm getting somewhere or cars or whatever I'm doing, you know, and pay for everybody else. It's my it's my business. I'm not, it's not, not coming out of the charity's money. It's 100% goes to the victims. One thing I notice about you is that you're a really hard worker and you've got this hustling spirit. You're always hustling for the charity or for your business. Where do you get that from? And what advice do you have for other women who want to develop that? I mean, some people are just sluggish and don't have it. And they know who they are and I know who they are. And other people are just not focused. I was talking about this earlier. My business has gone to a different level with different types of em- employees, like people that I have a real president that's like... Uh, you know, a serious businessman now. And I'm hiring different people to work for me that are more of like professional assistants versus young girls that I've sort of taught 
this game because I, you know, I always have just hired people. It doesn't matter what your resume is. It matters what your attitude is, which which still is still part of the culture. But I've taught them how to be organized and how to delegate and how to be stronger and how to prioritize. So you can you can teach that. You can't be you can't just be uh, talking loudly and bossing people around doesn't mean that you have that drive. You get that drive when you feel like you're organized, things are teed up and lined up and you have your act together. Like if you feel like you have your act together, you can be very efficient. You got to work smart. It's not how many hours you work, it's how you work. It's how you use your time. You just know whether you're scatterbrained or whether you're focused. I cannot tell you how being organized is so crucial in everything. Your house, your closet, your kitchen drawer, your cosmetics drawers, your your schedule. And to look at the board, not just the pieces. I say to the girls that work with me, don't look at the pieces. And I make that mistake sometimes. Look at the whole board. You know, someone comes to you with one little stupid thing that's not important about what you should be doing. You're like, no, why? I'm not doing that. I can't do that. Look at the rest of the whole, look at the whole chessboard. Look at everything. Would you want your daughter to go into reality TV? No, I would not want my daughter to go into reality TV. There's no reason. I don't understand why, like, wealthy people that already have just are hanging out getting facials want to be on reality TV. It's just to expose yourself to scrutiny. And, and unnecessary drama. I actually now love it because it's funny. And to me, it's really become the ultimate satire and comedy. And I've really developed a great relationship with reality TV in my life. Otherwise, no. I just let her be free-spirited and just amazing. And you don't, she doesn't need to be doing this. But, you know, I'm a pro. I've been doing this for a long time. And I, you know, Andy says you were born to do this. I don't know whether it's a compliment or an insult. But, I, you know, I'm, I, this is one very bizarre thing that I'm a natural at. Time now for your secrets. I'm Bethany Frankel, creator of the Skinny Girl brand, and my money secret is that I don't pay retail. Be sure to check back for future episodes featuring billionaire Suki Novogratz and Charles Schwab's Lizanne Saunders. Subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite audio provider. I'm Veronica Dagger. Thanks for listening. What's your secret? Let us know. Write podcasts at DowJones.com or on Twitter, use hashtag Secrets of Wealthy Women.